Right. So hello and welcome to the Senlio Podcast. My name is Lewis. And I'm Brandon. And today we have Shantapeak from AT&T, an aspiring motivational speaker, boss babe, uh, personal connector. How are you doing today, Shanta? I'm good. Thank you guys for having me on. Thank Love you it. very much for joining us. So let's start it off. Let's give a little bit of a background to everybody that's watching and listening. Uh, you know, who are you? Where are you from? And what do you do? Hi, I'm Chanta Peak. I am uh, first at sales manager for AT&T. I cover Southern California. Uh, what I do, um, I do a lot. I think I have like a jack of all trades or I call it Jackie of all trades because I'm female. Um, and so I basically provide public communications for first responders. I work with, you know, the state, the local municipalities, I, you know, in the time of fire preparation for earthquake and in California, especially, you know, fire season's actually around the corner, surprisingly yeah. or not. It's not even like summer yet, but to us here in May, uh, we start to, you know, get on top of our game and making sure that we have the communication that is needed for our first responder community. So I'm the boss of that in the area. I have about 10 to 11 people that report directed to me that cover different regions in Southern California. And their responsibility is to make sure that their agencies are, you know, well taken care of, have the tools and resources that they need, and also, you know, expand the message of FirstNet, which is a dedicated um, network for first responders that is um, hosted by AT&T. So that's, you know, who I am or what I do. And I am currently located at Long Beach, California. Nice. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Awesome. Well, so, uh, you got a lot going on. Um, so mm -hmm. how do you prepare for the day? Like what, what sort of regular habits do you have that sort of like keep you geared up and, and get your head in the right space? So that's, I love that. Cause that's a great question for me. Um, uh, first thing I do, um, to prepare for the day is I actually prepare the night before. Okay. And like, yeah, I do. You have okay. to be, be a working mom. Um, yeah. And, you know, my husband and I, we have our two-year-old son. It feels like we're new parents, but we're not really new. It's been two years, but uh, you still have to prepare to make sure that you have things in order with his backpack. You have your running shoes in order. You have all the stuff that you need for the next morning to go fast. And I'm all about going fast. Cause there's a lot of things that I have to do in the, during the day, because I live this motto of like Beyonce has 24 hours. I can do it too. So <laughs> why not? And so when I wake up in the morning, uh, I learned, uh, really quickly to prepare myself to get myself ready. And then when I wake up, actually YouTube actually knows what I want to listen to because his algorithm is spooky and uh, it wakes up to me for motivational videos. Nice. And so, yeah. <laughs> so I, I I'm same, same. <laughs> I, I am so much into that. It's unbelievable. <laughs> it's, and it's funny because when I wake up, I have my AirPods next to me because it's already charged and ready to go. And I put it in my ear and it's about 5 a.m. I wake up about 4.30 or 5 a.m. every day. And I listen to either it's like Tony Robbins or it's, you know, E.T., Eric Thomas or Les Brown. It's like they're telling me to get up, do your dream, you know, focus. <laughs> and so I learned that, you know, the first 20 minutes after you wake up makes such an impact of how your mood is that day. And I've actually tested it out and not doing it for a week. And I was miserable. I hated yeah. waking up. Oh, man. This. And so that's the first thing I do is I wake up, I listen to things that help me, you know, center my emotions 
and make sure that I focus on the next task. And then I run, I go exercise, I train three times a week uh, for about an hour. And then after that, I kind of pretty much, my mind is so focused and already awake that the next step is take care of my son. And my husband can wake up on his own. So, (laughs) So, you know, and then then we move on to the next. So, yeah, that's how how I prepare for my day. I really have everything set uh, set up the night before with my calendar invites and just mentally, you know, going over that before I go to bed. So, and then the next day, I already remember, I already know what I'm doing and I go full force. So. That's how that's, I do it. that's really smart. You know, I always like, uh, I don't prepare the night before. <laughs> and so I always pay the price, uh, the next morning, you know, the emails come in and the calendar and all of that. So that's, that's actually pretty smart. I might have to try it. Yeah. Yeah. I well, learned that from a professor on that. Oh. He said, um, when you're ready for a test, he says, try to read or go over things you need to do 30 minutes before you go to sleep. Because okay. what happens is your body ends up um, trying to fix and solve the problem during your sleep. And so I was like, really? He goes, yeah, just try it. And so that's where I learned it from where, cause your, your mind's sleeping, but it's still working. It's still active. And so subconsciously your mind is thinking about the next thing to do from the things that you read over the night before. So I was like, I'm game. Oh, so. See, yeah. yeah. See, I, I guess my mind's yeah. just focused on the British baking show. <laughs> 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 Uh, I like the method that you're saying about, uh, you know, getting up in the morning and listening to these motivational, you know, thoughts or, you know, speeches. I I was in like a period in my life where I was kind of like in the dumps a little bit. And I remember Mm -hmm. like, I felt so stupid. Like, you know, like where you're trying to find like this, like energy from somewhere. And then I remember just typing it into YouTube after not really like feeling I had any other resources Mm -hmm. and I found it and I found that exact method, you know, the idea of, you know, waking up first 10 minutes getting yourself right there, getting your mind right. And I found that it really changed the course of my thought process when I started to do that on the regular. And like you said, it just kind of like when you don't do it, you don't feel focused anymore. Yeah. So, so on that thought, right. You know, a lot of the things that I see that you speak about and, you know, on boss babes and, and, you know, a lot of things that you're putting out there content wise, it has to do with the a fixed versus the growth mindset. Mm. I really yes. like to get into this. I really like to end up like, what, what does that mean to you? And give us some examples of, uh, of each, if you could. Oh, absolutely. Oh, I love this stuff. Um, I read all the time and how I read through all of this is actually audiobooks. So it's like my saving grace. And uh, one of the things that I've catched on uh, from a growth mindset to a fixed mindset from all the readings and the experience I have in my life is that when you have a fixed mindset, it's kind of more of the thought process that you inherently have something in your life. Let's say, for example, um, growing up smart, being told that you're smart. Oh, you're so smart. It's in your genetics. You know, that's, you know, who you are, that's, you know, what you're going to be, you know, you're, you know, you're so capable of doing that. And then what ends up happening is that like, for me growing up, I learned the hard way thinking that I was, you know, smart and doing everything. Cause everyone kept telling me, Oh, you read so young at a young age. And then when I finally realized that I wasn't smart enough because I didn't, I hit like a, a hurdle because I wasn't doing math correctly and I didn't understand the problem solving. And I was like speaking multiple languages and I was feeling like, well, I am smart. I can do this. I can totally do this. And I didn't really, and I started like going down this path when I was younger to feel like I couldn't, you know, accomplish anything. So I brought like my self-esteem down. I feel like I wasn't capable of anything. And then my mom 
she would tell me like, babe, like, why are you getting like, you're, you're only like nine. Like, why are you so upset? You know, <laughs> yeah. getting all angry. Uh, and I said, you know, because I'm smart. Everyone keeps telling me I'm smart in school and church and like everywhere. Like, cause I'm reading, I was like reading like uh, pre-med books growing up. <laughs> I was learning the anatomy of frog. It's insane. But then I had issues with like doing math and couldn't figure out like multiplications and all the different stuff and fractions. And it was is it, it and it's like people think, wow, you're doing fractions already at nine. Like, yes, I was, but I was getting frustrated. My mom's like, if you start to believe and get cocky like that, you're never gonna grow. And I was like, what do you mean? Like you are never, ever going to be smarter than anyone else. You're, you're always going to have to grow and learn, you know, everywhere, everything you do in your life. So you're always going to have to continuously, you know, get better. And that from that, I realized like, it's, you can't be perfect. There's no such thing as you're ultimately like inherently smart. You just can't, it takes practice, it takes hard work. And after that, I just, you know, learned that every mistake I made, the things I like, you know, you know, fell off on. It was because I wasn't ready for it yet. It was the fact that I didn't get enough practice into it, into the craft that I was like working on at that moment. And so as you, you go into it, that's like the growth mindset. So the fixed mindset is when you're inherently thinking that you are deserving of something and that this is something that should be done set in stone. But then when you face, you know, adversity, you brittle, you, you, you crumble, right? Right growth mindset is being able to take away that, you know, that false, you know, uh, falsies, I call it that to where like, you're always forever learning your student of life. And because you do that, you're capable of, you know, you know, solve problem solving and looking forward and forward thinking. And that gets your mind really engaged and like continue to basically grow in everything that you do from work, from pleasure, from your hobbies or so forth. And I find that it's such an important thing to have as a human, as a human being, because it just brings you more happiness because you're always trying to find purpose in your life. And that's from growth. So, Okay. Mm -hmm. So then, you know, so, so essentially like what I'm kind of getting is that like, there's, there's the, the mental aspect and then there's the emotional, right? And yeah. so when you're young, right, you're trying to find your way through the world and, you know, you, you have this intelligence and, and, and you're trying to like figure out your way through society and maybe that gives you some adversity. Mm-hmm. So you have to kind of like adapt, you know, things that you're doing, your mindset, everything like that. So how do you adapt that mindset to this intelligence to combine it with the emotional for growth specifically? Ooh, so good. So good. So great question. The first thing that comes to mind is emotional intelligence. Okay. <laughs> Have you ever heard of EI? That in itself is like a different term, like different thing, a different whole like podcast itself. <laughs> but when it's like, when you think about emotional intelligence in a nutshell, it's when you're able to take the experience of failure, right? And take a step back from being so young and that, that growth, realizing that you are in control of that emotion. Mm-hmm. Right. That your mom and dad's not going to save you from that F or that C or whatever grade you have or that rejection you may have from people that you were that you thought they were your friends, whatever it may be. Right. Life hits you with a, a hard one. And then you take a step back and realize that, well, what can I do to do better? Right. What can I do to make sure that I'm happy? Right. And not care about being judged or what people perceive you as, because that's part of the fixed mindset is that you be worried too much about 
what people think of us and yeah. what we look at on the outside. So we try to mold into something that, you know, is, you know, so that we can make sure that people are happy and like are people pleasers, right? That's fixed because you're so narrow-minded in that focus. Whereas if you're a growth mindset, you end up taking yourself away from that judgmental, having been so judgmental on yourself, focused on, um, you know, developing that emotional feeling and taking a step back saying, I'm okay. I'm going to be okay. I'm going to move on. I'm going to take that learning experience and put that in my file cabinet in my brain and store that in the moment, knowing that, yes, I did something wrong. This is the lessons I learned and then move on. And then if it comes back again in that same situation, instead of like going back on the emotional um, stance of making the same mistake, you can go back and go, oh, I learned from that. Yeah, I don't want to do that. That was really bad. I did not feel good about that. That did not make me feel like it was me, right? And then move on to the next. And so I think that building that practice every day takes time. And so it's hard to really um, narrow it down for anyone because everyone's experience is different. But as a child, um, at that age, I had to practice, I had to learn, but ultimately I knew from a fact that would this be something that I would, you know, regret doing down the line? Cause I'm yeah. all about no regrets, but also do something that is not, I want to make sure that when I look in the mirror is, is that something that I'm, I'm proud that I did. Right? right. So I always thought about that at a very young age. Right. So how does that pertain to like now as a professional woman, right? Mm -hmm. And your professional life. And how does that kind of, that mindset, how does that help you in business? Oh. How does that growth potential help you in business? Um, it grounds you a lot. It grounds you a lot because um, you see a totally different world in the corporate world. And I wish sometimes I can write a book <laughs> or do some type of like, corporate diaries but <laughs> actually it's a great title <laughs> i like the title already because <laughs> right? there is so many emotion that goes into um working with different personalities and so what i be able to take that back from going to the professional world is that it's not all about me you know okay. especially if you're growing as a leader uh because you want to make sure you hear people right first before you, you know, answer back. So I'm all about, you know, listen to understand, seek to understand. One of, you know, Stephen Covey's, you know, seven principles of successful people is that you want to take back like, okay, what did I learn from this? What am I hearing, right? Is this person talking from a factual standpoint or are they just, you know, they're taking it personal or they're really emotional about what they're saying and they're not making a clear, decisive decision or just having a discussion. And so I'm able to listen much more now and be aware of people's emotion and read them better. Mm. And because I just know that, you know, you know, being in a working world and a corporate world, people, like I said, are at different stages of their life. So I've known to be more mature around a lot of people because I face a lot more adversity growing up. And that includes emotional adversity, having to deal with my own emotions, controlling how I was feeling, because, you know, knowing I grew up poor, I knew like, okay, we don't have no food in the house, but I can't have to keep that composure at work, you know, as a yeah. kid working at like, you know, El Pollo Loco, right? Knowing <laughs> that, working three jobs, work study, it's like, you still had to put a smile on your face. Whereas, you know, if I didn't have that emotional intelligence and that grit, and that tenacity to move forward, that 
when I moved to the corporate world, I wouldn't be able to stand up tall. I would be crushed if my boss rejected me or someone told me no on a project. I would have been like, oh, they hate me. Right. No, they don't hate you. You just your project doesn't meet the criteria. You just move on to the next. So that's I feel it's helped me a lot is because I was able to determine what fits for me at a certain point um, and what doesn't when I work with different colleagues. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. Well, let me just add in one. Let me ask one more thing yeah. on the on the idea of leadership, right? Because I find that like you know, and and we're talking about like you know, if somebody's you know born into like perfection, right? They have the perfect situation. Yeah. They're fine. They got money. They're they're put in the right school. Everything's yeah. fine, right? You really don't have any room to go anywhere, right? Not right. as an individual, right? And so and and I find that leadership really comes from that adversity. Like, do you find that your leadership skills really wouldn't have been there had you had a perfect situation? Um, because of the things I went through and the hard work and the drive that I had growing up, I have more appreciation for people who are failing right now, like emotionally failing in my organization. And I say that in like in a sense of they don't know how to cope with the rejection. They don't know how to handle the pressure. And I feel very fortunate as a leader because one of the things that I do for my team, the first thing I do with my team, no matter what team I have first, I always tell them, I want you to know that this is a circle of trust. This is literally the tribe where I care about you and I want you to fail. I want you to feel so much and come to me and say, what am I doing wrong? How can I get better? Because I am never going to judge you. I am never going to tell you that you're not capable of doing something because I'm never going to give up on you. Right. So that to me is has helped me as a leader because we don't have that safe environment anymore. And I call it psychological safety net that we don't provide for people. And you see that in society, you see that so many everywhere that people are so quick to like judge so quick to correct you or cancel you in this culture, right. (laughs) That you don't take a step back and listen to why that person either made that decision or had that action that has, you know, that's has, you know, that they did to really help them steer in a better path and live their path either, you know, personally or from a workplace, you know, with higher integrity and openness. And so that's, to me, that's, has helped me a lot. Say so yes. If it was the other way around, no, I would say it would, it would scare me. Cause I see that now with younger generations that I work with that I actually I'm mentoring and helping. I have a lot of candidates that come onto my team that, come from like, you know, a business degree program or like business development program that went through college and their first job is with me at AT AT&T making like $80,000 plus. And I'm just like, hello, there's some standards here (laughs) Um, and some emotional requirements and it's not there and it's okay because I'm here to help show them the way many, you know, stick around with me are now future bosses and leaders uh, and some totally give up on me. Uh, because mm. they gave up on themselves, so that's great. Right. Um, so, that's can you great. tell us a little bit about uh, a little bit about your work with uh, the First Responder Network Authority? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so I when it comes down to it, if there was like a fire or an earthquake or any time of disaster, and a a agency reaches out to me, I actually get like the first call (laughs) either from, you know, my peers at the state level or um, connecting with emergency centers down here in LA 
and saying, hey, we have, you know, LA County or San Bernardino County or different counties looking for help with, you know, with the deployable. Because there's times when powers are down, powers mm-hmm. are out. And maybe many people don't know, but a lot of the um, generators that power up your um, grid or your, you know, the cell towers are only about two hours long. And oh. so people need, because of like, you know, because of like, you know, city measurements, requirements and things like that, we can't have, you know, ongoing power on that because of like, you know, health issues and, you know, um, reasons behind that. Just because the public the public uh, community does not want anything bigger than two hour long generators there for you, right? Because mm-hmm. it's filled up with gas and stuff and we don't have a gas tank sitting at every cell tower. Um, and so we, you know, we focus on the need of the business with the sense of who's who's in need. First responders get first dibs on everything because they save lives. They make sure that our community is up and running um, and also ensure that people, if there are time of disasters, that they're the first to get communicated to. So I work with deployables. We have what's called like cells on wheels that we deploy out to these remote areas. I myself was a part of the efforts up in Bakersfield area, north of Bakersfield. And it was like six, I think I got the call at three o'clock on a Saturday Mm. and we were ready to, you know, give my son a snack and, you know, playtime. And I was told like, we need to get you up here or someone up here because I also have, you know, a a case full of devices that are built for FirstNet. So the agency is not on FirstNet yet. I have a case that's meant to be used. So it's like a case of 22 devices on the first net network. And it's like, it's a big 50 pound case that, you know, is portable. So I got the call. I told my husband, I got to go. And he says, how long is the drive? It's six hours. And, it's, and so got up, yeah. got my emergency backpack on. So I'm trained to have to do that <laughs> more than you realize from a cell phone company. Right. So I picked it up and I drove and it's in, I think four hours into the drive, I was told the wrong address. So I had to oh, backtrack. <laughs> <laughs> I was up in the mountains and I had to backtrack backwards down the mountain. And my poor husband was trying to get a hold of me, but there's like no cell signal in the mountains itself. It's so high that it was, there was no cell signal. But long story short, I had to get a hotel that night was able to make it the next morning and, you know, we were able to get the devices to the first responders there. So that's just, a, that's part of what I do uh, with uh, first net authority. Uh, we also make sure to let um, um, other agencies know about our progress that we're doing with build outs and cell towers and also different, you know, use cases that are out there with hurricanes um, and, uh, and the floods that's happening across the nation. So, you know, it's, it's really about saying, hey, we're just not a cell phone company. We're just trying to sell you on different, you know, wireless products. We're really here to tell you that there is a dedicated solution, dedicated network for you. So that in time of emergency that you have a way to connect with other agencies. Um, So because we all normal consumers are on a commercial network. So when you're at a Beyonce concert, I love Beyonce, keep saying her name. <laughs> As you can see, that your your phone is not bogged down, right? You can never get a text message or a post out because everyone's on the network. So for FirstNet, you're not on that network. You are 
on a separate network and you're able to connect with um, people and that's important in the time of emergency. So nice. I'm just, I'm imagining the way you described when you have to get ready to go, that you're just like putting on the bat suit, hopping in the bat mobile. Kind of, kind of sounds like, um, so I guess you have yeah. a lot of, a lot of people coordinated, you know, in this yeah. effort and a lot of teams involved and um, you know, how do you encourage everyone to, to work together? And, and more importantly, since this is all about communication, right? You're setting up the ability for first responders to communicate. How do you guys communicate effectively? And I mean, at all, you know, when the networks are down and, and stuff like that. So we actually are, um, when the networks are down and stuff, we're actually very grateful because we do have like, you know, satellite phones and mm-hmm. at our hands. So you can, if anyone knows my husband, he loves all the gadgets that I get at home. He's like, I'm like, can't touch that. Spy gear. <laughs> Spy <Yeah>. gear. <laughs> uh, <like> Batman. <laughs> that woman. That woman. Um, and so we also, you know, work uh, via uh, WebEx chat. We have, because usually when the sales towers are down, the internet's usually still back up. Mm-hmm. So we have, um, you know, we try to communicate as much as, you know, as, as quickly as possible via, you know, chat on the internet, on our, basically using Wi-Fi. But, you know, if anything ends up happening that we can't, we do have a uh, radio um, handset that's, I literally have an LMR radio that I use um, to be able to connect with uh, my peers across the nation. Nice. So lots of fail over there. Fail, yeah. <laughs> yeah. My whole closet is like literally, yes, you can say it's like a Batwoman cave. <laughs> so <laughs> my husband's like, can we put this in like a, s- a section of the garage and build something for this? I go, yes. yes we I can. mean, it sounds cool. <laughs> it does yeah, sound it, cool. It's like cool. I, I got all this gear and I just take off to the mountains at a, you know, at a moment's notice. <laughs> yes. <You know? laughs> it's like, that's pretty awesome. It's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. It's, it's also, uh, I think it, I, like I said, I get there and I see all the great work that a lot of these men and women are doing. I'm just putting their lives on the line. Um, just, you know, to making sure that we're, we're safe out here with our home at our homes and with our family. So I'm very grateful to be part of that process and being part of a team, being able to lead a team in that effort. So. I think it's like you know, a lot of people don't really realize, you know, because we're so used to things being so easy for us, what mm-hmm. it takes to actually make communication happen on such a wide scale. Yes. And so it's like, you know, you run into all kinds of problems. And I don't even know how to frame this about like successes and failures. But in this situation, right, when you're when you're doing emergency, you know, responses, how do you how do you define success in that in those situations, How, what what is success or what is a, you know, accomplishing your goals? I, I understand there's certain check marks, but break that for that. Mm-hmm. A little bit. So in in time emergency, what defines success to us? Honestly, I know it sounds like very grim, but saving lives is is important to us, um, and because that is the number one priority for our 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 clients and our customers who are out there um, to take care of first responders is, are they getting the the right solution that they need for when they need to make contact with other agencies or with um, people who they're trying to rescue? And so, you know, for me, success looks like is getting in front of the customer, understanding what the needs are, you know, from, you know, future proofing things um, for the infrastructure to understanding what the endpoints are when it comes to the handheld device, to the cradle points, to whatever they need, so that it all circles back to communicating effectively. 
And so to me, if that all, you know, becomes streamlined and everything's smooth and seamless during the deployment that we do, when we roll out the devices, when we do the testing on the cradle points, when we do the testing on the radios, and they are getting the coverage that they need in the area that they need it the most, then to me, that's success because we want to, it's not just, you know, signing up a cell phone, here you go, move on. It's really making sure that they have the cell phone coverage they need and the technology and the software to back it up. All right. Could you give us an example of, um, I know, I know a lot of this stuff is very, you know, yeah. security oriented, so you can't necessarily go into everything, but can you give us an example of when things got difficult for you and, and you were able to like persevere, maybe give us a nice story. Yes, uh, we actually had a situation where we, um, it was during the um, Black Lives Matter movement. And, okay. you know, it was definitely difficult at that time for me personally, I'll be frank, because I am a woman of color. And, you know, there's things I stand for when it comes to, um, you know, ensuring that we have, you know, equal opportunity and rights for all and being having to stand in, you know, a building full of officers, right? Who right. also want to serve and protect because in LA we're very multicultural and diverse. But at the same time, you know, the they because of the right because of like uh the peace protests and everything that's happening, there's congestion. And right. we were starting to build something out for the department, um, that department itself. And so it got to the point where everything got bogged down. Everything right. was not working. We were able to download anything. It was during time of emergency because we had to make sure officers were taken care of, of making sure that the buildings were safe, the people who were working in the buildings were safe, people who were protesting were safe, and um, and they were depending on our communication. So we were able to immediately work with all of our network teams and everybody to collaborate and, you know, think outside the box of what can we do to amplify, you know, the signals that we need, what was the, the issue that we were having. Um, and we were able to, you know, find out that we had different, you know, resources available to us from the equipments um, that we had on hand, um, along with the able body, um, you know, coworkers that I had were able to drive across, you know, cities to make it happen. So, you know, that was in a sense a success because I think I was there six o'clock in the morning that day and I didn't leave till like 11 o'clock at night that night wow. and we were able to get it done. Mm -hmm. Having all of these issues surrounding mm -hmm. you and kind of geared at a certain profession, yet you're coming from a background that has felt the expression of what the protesters are actually really going after. I mean, did you find that, did it make it hard for you to kind of like stand shoulder to shoulder, you know, in a sense? Because I mean, you're helping out the people that are being protested against. Did that make it difficult for you? I would say at first it was, you know, you were at that, like I said, that now I've entered an emotional state where I had to take a step back yeah. and look at where I am in that moment of time. And I'm going to say no, because okay. I knew what I was doing was for the long game. Right. And I knew what what I was doing was to protect the community at the end of the day. So actions by a few does not determine actions of many. So I knew those I knew the many of the officers in the building. I knew what they stand for. I knew, 
you know, the community in itself, um, overall in LA and the officers in LA and Orange County, all, all of Southern California. And I knew what they stand for. So I work with them every day. So to me, no, it was difficult. It, it was, it was actually beautiful to see young people actually, you know, I feel like I'm still young too. <laughs> we're all young. <laughs> all young. Is that we were speaking out and they were, you know, um, you know, fighting for the equality that we needed. And so that is something that we had to hear as a country. And so being at the side, I being standing on the side, I was, it wasn't difficult because I knew that at the end of the day, it was something that had to be, had to be done for myself and my own job. Uh, but also it's just part of the circle of life where we have to go through that kind of, kind of difficult path to make sure that we fight for what our beliefs are. All right. So, um, so I guess talking about the long game, right? Yeah. So uh, yeah. Yeah. Like, what do you, what do you see um, as far as like the future, what kind of future technologies do you think are going to affect your field? And um, is there anything cool that, you know, you're, yeah. you're, you're excited to see happen? Yes. I'm actually very excited. Um, you know, AT&T has um, I think three things top of mind that's coming out that I actually can speak publicly about, which is first net push to talk. And that in itself, it's like more, you know, People think of like a walkie-talkie. You go beep, beep, mm-hmm. beep, beep. Well, it's it's pretty much the same direct way of using the device. However, the difference is that it's built on a separate core network, right? Whereas before, it was like an over-the-top type of application, mm-hmm. uh, which means that you download the app and it works over the data, and you know, and it's all depending and it runs the interface on the app itself, right? Whereas FirstNet Push to Talk, it runs through the network. So we actually have six different um, um, grids all over the United States, and we're building more to actually work with the um, technology itself so it's not over the top. So because usually when it's over the top, they're usually delayed with software, there's issues. And for here, it's actually rated mission critical. And so we're actually been test piling it out the last year or so. Um, many um, agencies are looking for that because it works really well with um, land mobile radio, which is LMR, and integrates really well with the interface because of the fact that it can connect not just the towers, but also the mobile radios itself. Mm. So that's one. Second is uh, what we call Z-Access. And Z-Access is actually really cool. I actually, I'm, I can't wait for me to get a demo on it because... <laughs> It's allowed, basically it's in a technology where we are able to locate um, an employer personnel on the Z access up and down buildings, right? Okay. And so, for example, if you're a firefighter and you're, you know, you're in charge of being aware on radio where each firefighter are located in the building, it's really hard sometimes because you don't have a way to measure it based on the current GPS ways of what we do things. So Z-axis allows you to go up and down buildings and throughout the buildings using band 14, which is the spectrum, which what FirstNet authority is, and penetrate the buildings and able to find them. So I'm really excited about that because I can see it be like, it shows like a simulation where it's like a game where people are running back and forth down the buildings, but you know, it's all fun and everything, but at the end of the day, it actually could save a lot of lives. Um, that's, that's one for the bat cave right there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I know. yeah, absolutely. And then lastly, we call it um, 
HPUE, which is high power user um, endpoints. And it basically um, allows you to have long range data, long range connection. Um, and it basically is like, for example, um, like if you're going skiing, let's say Mammoth is like an example over driving and there's not a connection. Um, knowingly know if I drive a mile out, there's going to be no connections can be a dead zone. What HPUE does is that it actually amplifies that last mile of connection that you have from, you know, from where you are to extend out further. So it's like, like an, an access amplifier. point in your house, basically. Correct. Correct. Yeah. And made for rural areas. And so for those who are out like different like places where you're out, maybe during at a ranch or out like, you know, um, out, you know, camping or, or doing a campsite or so you can see that there's many people like, you know, rangers that can benefit from having HPUE um, because of the ability to extend their range, because if they're doing like search and rescue and they know that at this, at, at this point, we don't have signal. Well, we can always, I call it daisy chain it where we can continue to amplify it by having another router in place. And so the HPUE can feed off the router that you have you know, from that cradle point further on. So it's, it's a pretty cool technology. Uh, we were the only one that have that at first at AT&T. So we're looking forward to, you know, um, getting that in front of our first responders so that we can continue on, uh, you know, scaling up and providing additional technology. That's awesome. That's so, super cool. Yeah, so, yeah. so what about you? Like where, where are you headed oh. over the next like five, 10 years? You know, what, what are we expecting from Shanta? Well, uh, for me, uh, I love that. I I, I always tell my team, like, you should always change it up every three years. Everything that you're doing in your career, your goals, you always got to keep going and moving forward and elevating yourself. So I hope to um, grow my YouTube channel that I have. I actually started back in December, Uh, went from like zero subscriber to now close to 300 in the last two months. So pretty stoked about that. Um, there I, you know, talk about like living your best life. I love to share like practices of fashion, beauty, all the stuff that makes me who I am, but also the, the main reason of putting the message out there, not just for women, but also men to really take care of themselves, right. Mm -hmm. To really take time for self-love, self-care, because if you are trying to, you know, provide for your family and provide for those you love with an empty cup. And you're not filling that cup up with self-love and self-care, you're not, you're, you're not going to be able to do it. And so I just want, because you don't have the energy to do it. So, so that in itself is my channel along with, you know, growing, growing my career as an aspiring um, motivational speaker. And that's, as mentioned before, I have a podcast called the Boss Babe series where I talk about personal life experiences and also work with, you know, others that share their life stories on how they be able to become a boss themselves. So, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I love my career, the things I'm doing here, but the next five, 10 years, I hope to inspire to motivate others to live their best life every day, along with, you know, just, you know, living my best life and doing what I love. So that's what I see myself doing. Nice. All nice. right. So, so this question will be just kind of like out of the box, I guess. Okay. Right? So, okay. you know, it's like kind of like a last one. We'll throw something out. Okay. So, all right, let's set it. Oh my goodness. Okay. All right. So, all right. <laughs> it's a zombie apocalypse. 
Oh gosh. I hate All right. Zombies. Well, okay, you know, yeah. you're, you're kind of in zombie apocalypse mode with your job with the first responder stuff. So it kind of fits, I okay. guess. Right. Yeah. So yeah. we would be calling you in a zombie apocalypse. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. So what three people living or dead would you want uh-huh. on your team? All right. Three people uh, living or dead. Gosh. Living or dead. If I don't see mm-hmm. my husband, he's going to get mad, but I can't have him on my team, unfortunately. Sorry. <laughs> don't worry. We won't say anything to him. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would say living or th- three people, not three including people. me, right? Three people. Teammates. Teammates. Um, I don't know. I'm all about like living through experiences and, you know, finding people who's who's been there, right? Or who survive, who's that survival mode. Um, John McClain. Okay. Right from Die Hard. Okay. <laughs> now Bruce Willis. This is so <laughs> um, and also let me think here. Um, Laura Croft from okay. Tomb Raider. I love her. I love her. I'm all like all action, you know, fiction people here. Um, and then oh, let me see one more person. Oh, geez. Let's. Uh, gosh, I'm gonna say The Rock. Yeah, <laughs> The Rock. Yeah, I, he's one of the gentlemen I listen to every morning. Um, also, but also I just I see him getting really positive about this. Like, yeah, we got like ten more zombies today. You're like, yes, we did. Yeah, As he's like crushing your head with his elbow. <laughs> you know? he, was, he was great in Jumanji. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so I think those are the three I would have. Because so wait a minute, John McClane, right? Because I, <laughs> I I could see that because like you could survive with no shoes and only on cigarettes for an entire Christmas weekend, right? That's what he did. <laughs> right? yeah. So yeah, I I could yeah. see that you know surviving a job, apocalypse. So, Laura, so give me the, the Tomb Raider, like give me Laura about Tomb, what do you think about her? Like what about her would you want in there? You no, know, I always need a female on the team. Okay. You know that's. <laughs> I feel like a diversity there, 50-50. Um, but no, I think she also has uh, out-of-box thinking, uh, the way she's able to mag- MacGyver things, you know, with her, with the thing, the tools that she has. So I like that about her. Also, she's like gritty. Like she doesn't mind getting like dirty and like figuring out ways to survive. And I love that about her because it's like a sense of woman empowerment. And I love to have someone very similar to my personality on yeah the same uh, at the same level of surviving and also i know she's she also doesn't judge she's not catty like that so i like like (laughs) being around women like that is like okay she's not really worried so cool let's go and kill some zombies so Um, (laughs) and then the rock because i feel that he i don't know if you guys saw this but in one of his instagram posts he ripped his gate open oh i saw that Okay. Where he was like, like aggro, like going crazy. He was missing. He was going to miss his appointment or his um, being on set. And he hates missing his appointments, which I hate missing my appointments too. And so I can understand his pain. So I know he's definitely goal oriented and he's driven and I don't mind having muscle on the team. So (laughs) work on his anger management a little bit. This fish is not prepared correctly. Just go go be angry at those zombies. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Yes. Awesome. awesome. Well, Chanta, thanks for joining us today. Um, how can people find out more about you? Do you want to drop some social media, some 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 web links yeah. out there? Absolutely. So uh, one way people can find out who I am and what I'm about is you can um, visit my website, which is uh, chantapeak.com. It has everything from like my YouTube videos, my Instagram page, my Boss Vape series podcast. It's kind of like my, you know, digital 
autobiography platform, right? So people want to know more about me and my stories and, you know, they can come visit me there because, you know, I loved also visitors and people commenting and directly visiting and uh, sharing their stories with me. So that's one way to do that. Mm-hmm. Cool. Awesome. Um, awesome. Well, we appreciate everybody for tuning in and uh, you can find all of our episodes at sinleo.com or wherever you get your podcasts and we'll see you next time. Thanks, Shanta. Thank you for joining us. Bye guys.